Welcome back to Not A Dollar More. My name is Shane Rogers. This is Australia's first podcast series dedicated to helping people who are wanting to stop or control their gambling, or for people who just want to know more about the potential harmful effects of gambling. I've experienced the gambling addiction myself, so I know all about it. In this episode, we'll be having a look at how harmful gambling can affect more than just the person who is gambling. In fact, for every person who is experiencing harmful gambling, there are six other people in their life who are also affected. This might include family, friends, and even employers. We speak to two people who have been affected by another family member's gambling and hear about what happened to them, their families, and about the ongoing repercussions from these experiences. We also chat with a gambler's help counsellor who explores the impact of someone else's gambling on family and friends and the importance of getting help and support for everyone. Our first guest joins us via Skype today. Welcome, Alison. I understand your mother is caught up in a gambling addiction. Can you tell us about how this all started for your family? Well, we moved to a small country town just before I turned nine years old. My father in particular wanted us to grow up in the country and they bought a a local business which was going to hopefully set us up for a strong financial future. And then we started going to the club a lot and it's quite common, particularly in those small country towns and community areas that a lot of events are held there. So fishing club meetings, bowls, members draws, meat raffle, etc. And there's something on there most nights of the week. But my father got really upset one night when he found us asleep on the floor of the kids' room and stopped going to the club. But then my mother kept going and that's when I believe the problem started. So what was it like in the beginning for you and the rest of your family once you realised your mother had the gambling addiction? At the first sort of stages, it was really quite confusing. So some nights she would come home and splash around $50 notes, which was a lot of money in those days. Other times we would get into trouble for being awake. So mum's moods were very erratic and was really inconsistent. So why my earliest memory is I started running to bed when I heard her car pull up in the driveway and pretending I was asleep. I knew there was tension, but I didn't really know why. And I noticed my parents were not really affectionate anymore. So I just tried to do things to help around the house and I guess tried to be the perfect child in a way in the hope that things might get better. And as her gambling continued, what kind of effect did that have on you and the family as things, Mm. I suppose, got got worse? Uh, When I was about 15, things really peaked. It's the age I remember that my father told me what the actual problem was and the extent of it and how much debt we were in. Uh, What I remember is that she was hardly ever home. So we would get home from school on the bus and go past the club and my heart would sink when I'd see her car in the car park. Mm -hmm. I'd run around the house to tidy it before Dad got home and get dinner started. Dad would be working at the business on on weekends and I would be doing the housework while Mum was at the club. Um, There was a lot of pressure. like So I remember feeling pretty overwhelmed most of the time trying to keep the household together. For a while, she would come home at 6pm just before Dad did. So it was kind of a silent and hidden thing. But eventually that stopped as well and she wouldn't come home until late until the club closed. We know there's um, a lot of support available now. Was there much available to you at at this point in your life? It never really occurred to me during my younger years to get help for myself. Um, It was really about survival and just doing the best I could. I felt my job was to reduce the burden on the family, not increase it. So it was all about me trying to make things better. So it it was not something I felt I really 
also had permission to talk about outside of the family and that if I told anyone it would bring us shame and embarrassment and if I put my hand up and asked for help myself, I'd just be increasing the burden on my father and the rest of the family as well. It wasn't until much later in life when I really was still experiencing the after effects and things like my relationships and health um, that I started to get counselling. So I've had a lot of counselling as an adult because those impacts do last a lifetime. I had to grieve my childhood and my mother really and I do continue with counselling now. I suppose with a small country town and your mother playing the pokey so frequently, was there a lot of embarrassment with her always being there? There was um, and it was also something that, yeah, you wouldn't speak about outside of the family even though when I look back on it, it was probably something that everyone knew. It just wasn't really talked about. I think more than the shame and embarrassment, though, well, that was a big part of it, but there was also just a really intense feeling of worry and stress. So, you know, worrying about what would come of our family and feeling kind of, well, completely helpless to fix it. A lot of people think that having a gambling problem, especially on the pokies, is a choice. Did you think that at a young age, that that was a choice that your mother made to, to always spend time there? There was one moment where, and it was after I had left home and my there had been all sorts of pressure on the, the remaining family members and we had a bit of a family meeting without my mother and, and I remember my sister and I just crying and saying, why can't she just stop, why can't she just stop? And it was someone from Gamblers Anonymous that then explained addiction to us and while it continued to feel very helpless... Yeah. Um, it did give me greater compassion or that first stage of compassion around this wasn't just a choice, that she felt she couldn't stop and that it was like any other addiction and it was so powerful. Did she try and get help? Look, my father told me that at one stage she sought help or that she said that she sought help and she made a phone call to a helpline and didn't get a call back and that's about the extent of it that I know, know of. Yeah, okay. And at any point did you confront her? Oh, absolutely not. And I often get asked this question as like, why didn't you do anything? And my first response is because I was a child. And I think um, there's no way I would have felt safe doing that. Um, There's a power structure between children and their parents and I didn't feel like it was a proper or respectful thing to do to question a parent. And I also felt that would have undermined my father as well, who was doing his best to try and deal with it. How would you sum up those childhood years for yourself? The early years were very confusing, you know, when I didn't really know what was happening and why things were so different. Then when I did, it was just plain fear and worry and life was really overwhelming. So I felt quite anxious a lot of the time and sometimes I had what I would probably reflect on and describe now as panic attacks, like not being able to breathe, feeling so out of control but needing to be strong for my family that... I couldn't really fall apart because that would just make things worse. I'd say it was different at different stages in life. So my later teenage years, I became quite angry and resentful and then eventually just really sad and hurt. And I think that was part of the phase of acceptance and realising it was something that my mother couldn't control and that I couldn't fix. Yeah, and so nobody, sort of close family, um, any people in the community knew what you were going through or knew what your family were going through? No, I think it's very private and silent. 
while they might have seen her behaviour at the venue, I don't think people think about how that translates to at home. Yeah, so it took you through to your teenage years and then I understand you moved out. So when I was 17 years old, I left home before I'd finished school actually because I'd just been to a doctor and a specialist for some health issues and I was basically told that I needed to remove stress from my life. Initially, it was a a real relief to live somewhere without tension, so to not feel anxious about going home and to be responsible just for myself and not feel the responsibility for my whole family. But that also came with guilt because I felt like I'd really abandoned them, that I'd um, been selfish for choosing myself. Um, But having become older and, and going to the club myself, it was difficult to see it for myself, to see her at the machines and returning time and time again for more money. One of my second jobs was actually working at the club and I saw just how long she spent on the machines, Mm. on my shifts, and there were usually one or two others displaying similar kind of signs, yeah. What was the relationship like with your mother while she was going through with this, just between between you and her? Very tense, very little interaction. Um, Really, I was at a stage of my life trying to survive. I was working three jobs to support myself because I'd left home. I was watching what she was doing and just stunned um, and shocked. And it was the first time I kind of, well, I I actually, I questioned the club manager as to why he didn't intervene. So why we, for example, we as workers didn't intervene as either. So we would take we would take people's keys from them and refuse them service of alcohol so that they didn't hurt themselves or someone else. So I didn't understand why it was different. So I think it was the first time I had questioned the role of the venue in all of it. Yeah. Um, you have little or no contact with your mother now. Was there a turning point for you where you decided not to have contact with her? It was when my father died in 1993. Um, there was a lot that happened during that period and it was really just about my own survival and self-preservation. I didn't feel like I had his counsel or protection anymore. So it was a decision I worked through in counselling because of the guilt I felt, but I knew, I knew my life wouldn't amount to anything and I'd struggle myself if I didn't take care of myself and choose a different path. So it was really about not exposing myself to harm. Mm. Um, what effect has your mother's gambling had on other relationships with family members? Um, we aren't particularly close. I, I think there's an assumption that family members pull together, but the reality for many is that it's really about survival. There's also family members now who are not happy about me speaking out because they believe it reflects badly on both of my parents and on them. So I think there's still a lot of shame and stigma and things that keep people silent and that's why it continues to come at such a personal cost because there's a personal cost to speaking out as well. Can you talk to us about the challenges of talking to family members? It's so such a good question and it is so varied. I know that in some cases some compassion and commitment from family members has made a huge difference. There are others where people haven't even disclosed anything to family members because they're unlikely to get support or they fear the response. And then there are families like mine where the damage is irreparable and there's no pathway to a conversation and where there are real consequences for the person raising it. So I think it's important that 
there are opportunities taken where they can be, but there is a balance between that and self-protection and boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts on the effect of gambling addictions on children and how well we respond to that? It's an interesting question and one I feel quite passionately about. I don't believe that we know enough about or talk about enough the the impacts on children Um, and I'd like to see more of that on things like health and education and and mental health and wellbeing and career opportunities. I think that the impacts last a lifetime. One of the things I've come to learn is also in terms of treatment and counselling is that when many family members go for help or the gambler themselves, while a counsellor may ask about their partner uh, or husband or wife, they rarely ask about the children. And I think the children kind of get forgotten about in this and there's a lack of kind of a whole of family response. So what do you do now to stay well um, in relation to coping with what has happened to you? Um, you know, your mother and your family? It's been really important for me to build what I refer to as my platform for me to feel stable. So part of my platform or pillars to that platform is making sure that my financial well-being is there and that financial security is really important. I've built a really strong network of very close friends who I consider like family, so I have that connection with people. And I've established a career and a business. Um which I'm quite proud of, and I continue to get counselling when I feel I need it. So I particularly need to keep an eye on things like personal boundaries and making sure I participate in healthy relationships and that I focus on self-care. Yeah, that's great. Um, A lot of people listening to the podcast are affected others. How important is it for affected others to get help? It is really important, incredibly important. So... Even if you want to help the person gambling, people do need help in their own right. The issue affects so many aspects of of life and particularly for children. So things I've had to work through are things like loss of a childhood, relationships, self-esteem, self-confidence. There's so much that needs to be rebuilt. One helpful hint that you could give to somebody that's perhaps listening today that's an affected other I don't think you can really help others at all unless you're feeling really solid in yourself and and dealing or interacting with someone with an addiction is incredibly challenging. So to get help for yourself first and professional advice on how to deal with it, it really does require that level of professionalism. Each situation will be different, so the level to which you can help will be different and that's important to really assess and to um, think about what effect you can or can't have so it's a balance between accepting what you can't change but affecting what change you can and really encourage professional help with the other person as well that you can't rescue them and sort of set boundaries around what your role is and if you can kind of reinforce that you'll be there to support them to recover so emphasize support for recovery Thank you so much for sharing your story today, Alison, and um, good luck in the future. Thank you. You're listening to Not A Dollar More, and in this episode we're hearing about what it's like for other people affected by another person's harmful gambling. For our next guest, we welcome back Sophia Alexandra, a therapeutic counsellor from Gambler's Help at EACH, a social and community health service in Melbourne. Thanks again for joining us, Sophia. Can counselling help people affected by somebody else's gambling? 
Yes, absolutely. Often people who are affected by somebody else's gambling are kind of invisible to the community and also to their families and their social circle. Um, They kind of suffer on their own. They find it really difficult to speak with anyone. They don't want to be disloyal to the family member uh, who is the gambler or the friend. And often when they come to see us or speak to somebody on the phone, they're enormously relieved that there's somebody who can actually listen to them and what they're going through. So what are some of the feelings that are experienced by people who are affected by somebody else's gambling? Often betrayal is the first one, betrayal and loss of trust and rage and anger and sadness. And the term we'll often hear is that I thought I knew this person. I don't know them at all now because I'm finding out all these things that they've done. And there's also a lot of sadness that the relationship they had is changing and they don't know which direction it's going to go, whether they can rescue the relationship or not. So they're often confused. With gambling, we often talk about the amount of shame and stigma Mm. that's attached. I'm sure there's a lot of shame and stigma, not only for the gambler, but for the affected other in order for them to sort of branch out and try and get help. Do you find that? Some of the shame they may feel is that they perhaps didn't pick up on the behaviour earlier. They didn't notice any signs. How could that happen? How could I not have noticed that money was missing? All these uh, times that they were absent and they said that they were working that I didn't, you know, didn't click. So there's a different kind of shame, not so much about the gambling, I find, but about their part in Mm. what was going on and that they didn't notice it earlier or that they noticed it and didn't do anything about it. Do a lot of affected others get blamed for the amount of gambling that's getting done? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they get blamed directly from the gambler and that they perhaps somehow, you know, were not good enough in some way, that they weren't tracking things or that they weren't enough of a person. Sometimes by the family uh, they can get blamed that things got that bad before they noticed. So, mm. yeah, there's it's a whole sort of range of emotions that can get um, can get really overwhelming for them. Can you talk about how counselling might help at different stages or phases? Yes. The focus becomes about the affected other when they come into counselling and we keep in mind that the behaviour of somebody else is affecting and impacting on their lives and that's why they may feel as they feel. Often we hear that they want to change the person, the other person. They want to help the gambler stop the gambling And initially it may be a little bit frustrating to the person that we're trying to focus on them. We're trying to make sure that they're okay, that they have support around them, that they can manage their own finances or that they can stop the hemorrhaging, as we say, with the financial situation. So it's a mixed blessing sometimes that they come in and they feel that they can talk to somebody and, you know, they can hear their their own story. But it can be a little bit tricky in the first two, three sessions because they are often trying to change the behaviour of the gambler. And then we move the focus back on what they can do and, you know, try to empower, I guess, in a sense, what action they can take to protect themselves, as well as remain supportive to the gambler to implement change. We spoke to Alison in an earlier interview about how she was affected as a child with her mother playing the pokies. Mm -hmm. What services are available for children that are getting caught up or affected by the damage gambling's causing at home? Shane, we very rarely hear directly from children of a younger age. Usually we hear about the children being affected through the parents, through either parent. And we encourage people to bring, uh, you know, if they want to, to bring their children in and refer them for family counselling 
or we talk with them about the impacts on the children and how they can reassure their children that regardless of the changes that are going on, that the parent or parents will always continue to be their parents. So it might be um, a, a case of you know including family therapy or couples therapy in that with the view of making sure that the children are well looked after in an emotional way, in a financial way, stability of home and school and all of that. I would imagine financial counselling would be very beneficial to some, to like an affected other. Yes. Can you tell us more about that service and how that could help an affected other? Okay. So connected with the Gamblers Help Therapeutic Counselling Services in any region around Victoria, we also have financial counsellors. Gambler Self Financial Council. So they can look at a whole spectrum of things that are going on financially. They can look at the budget. They can look at existing debts. They can look at, you know, making repayment arrangements with banks. More often than not, the financial counselling for the affected other is the first referral that we would make just to make sure that the affected other, the family, is feeling financially secure. And they can continue to have a um, you know a quality of life, so to speak, and they can have a level a level of control of the finances. So, if an affected other is listening today and feeling a bit you know helpless, mm. um, not sure what to do next, mm. have you got a hint for them? Just something that they could take away with them today to make them feel a bit better about their situation. Yes, you're not alone. And so remember that even though these are not your choices that have brought you into this situation, you are being impacted, your life is being impacted by what's happening to you. And there is help out there. There are people who are willing to hear you and be open and non-judgmental about what you need to say and to guide you to um, find some ways that you can manage perhaps your financial and your emotional state a little bit better. So there's a lot of support out there. Once again, Sophia, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome and thank you for your invitation to be here. Our last guest joining us today is Shandana, who, after moving to Melbourne with her husband and young daughter, found herself caught up in her husband's gambling addiction. Hi, Shandana. Can you tell us your story, please? Yes. We moved to Australia about 12, 13 years ago. When we came to Australia, we, we didn't know anybody here. I came first and then my husband came and I had to start work right away and he was looking for work. Our daughter was very young. She was going to the childcare. So he had that time and we were literally staying in Adelaide City. So he just got, I guess, familiar with the Adelaide Casino, which was like a few minutes walk from our house. And that kind of slowly pulled him into it which I didn't know at that time. And that's how it started. Initially, it was just because he had that time. Then he did get a job uh, and moved to Sydney. And that was right next to the Star Casino. So when did you start to realise that things were getting out of hand? Actually, I did not know he was gambling when he was looking for work or when he did get a job in Sydney. I had no idea until one day he came and said that he did not have anything left in his account. It was completely wiped out. And he was on a $120,000 job, something like yeah, that. Right. So, he took, so he took control of the finances? Yes, because I was like working full-time 
and taking care of a three-year-old. I did not have the time, so he was taking care of our accounts. So when he said that his account was like completely zeroed, I couldn't decipher because I did not know he was gambling in the first place. Yeah. So when he said that, I was I thought he was joking, or it's, it's you know it's practically not possible to lose everything within that sh- short span. I guess I did not realize the extent of it. Yeah. I didn't know that it could become how worse it can become as well. Yeah. So what was your reaction when he told you? Um. I didn't believe him first. I thought he was joking. I thought uh, maybe he's taken the money and maybe sent it back home or he didn't want to tell me. But then after speaking for some time, and I had never seen him so emotional. So I I did realize that there was something seriously wrong. Yeah. And he said that it's basically because of his isolation. So I didn't know what to make of it. So I decided to move right away to Sydney. Right. Thinking that once I go there, he'll change because it's just isolation. He didn't know how to spend the time, so he was bored. I did not understand how gambling affects a person because back home we don't have that concept. There's no gambling in India as far as I know, as I encountered. There are no poker venues. There are no such things. So I did not know anything about gambling, to be honest. Was he open to getting help? He did not realize that the, he had a problem. Okay. Nor did I. We've had issues with alcohol in the past. Even before I came to know about the gambling, he was drinking and I was focusing on that. And when I went to Sydney, moved to Sydney as well, I saw that he was drinking a lot. So I thought gambling was just something that you can control. You Right. I had that assumption as well. I was pretty na- naive, you could say. So I moved to Sydney. I was working from home there. And I was getting pretty isolated because I didn't have colleagues. I didn't know anybody there. But the behavior did not change. I did not know if he was going gambling or not. But at home, he was not present. He would like not returning home in the night. He locked his account. So I didn't know what was going on. His behavior became worse, but I did not know whether it was associated with his drinking or his gambling. And did I didn't know any help? services. I did not seek any services because I had I didn't know what kind of services were available for drinking or for gambling. Yeah, okay. The only thing that came to my mind was go to a psychologist. So I kind of nagged him into going to a psychologist a little later, but that didn't have any... I mean, if you don't reveal you have an issue, uh, another person can't help you or, you know, guide you. So he did not, I came to know later on that he actually did not even reveal that he had a gambling, uh, you know, what is the, what was the extent of his gambling losses or um, what was the issue he had, he never revealed it to her. Could you please share with us what a typical week or a typical fortnight would look like while you're with your husband and while he was gambling? As I said, when I was in Sydney, I was quite uh, isolated. I was working from home. I had no contact with anybody. So that was really isolating. I would be ruminating more on where my husband was, what was happening, where, why it was he, 
not returning home in the night i was fully preoccupied with that situation and also we had one car and uh, a few times when my daughter was sick i didn't have a car to take her even to the doctors or to the hospital those times were when i had to reach out to somebody and i could only reach out to people back home so i would call up my parents or my dad who's a doctor and um talk to him on what to do and they were supportive but they did not know what was going on either i wanted to make him be accountable so that he should have a share in say rent or child care or all our expenses which he was finding excuses to get out of uh, he would say oh, you are in the house you are working from home that means you are using the house more um or you he would say you are taking the car i'm taking the train most of the times um so you pay the registration or you pay um for the rental and he was not the kind of person who would worry too much about money in the past uh, he was pretty laid back and uh, you know take things as it comes but this had completely transformed his attitude towards money and he would try to hold on to as much of his income as he could we decided to have joint accounts so at least money would go in from our salaries and that money could be utilized for joint expenses but he would just withdraw it and i could see later on that it was from uh, crown or from the tab just before the rent was supposed to be auto paid or so, so when you'd say that how did you feel to know that your rent money's gone thankfully i was working so i could take it from my uh, income and put it in but i was really really angry that he did not number one recognize he had an issue he was refusing to get any help and he was making me liable for everything he would in fact many times say yes you are supposed to take care of all our expenses because you are the reason for me doing all these things you are the reason for me drinking you are the reason for me gambling so you have to take up all the responsibility when you change when you stop this or do this or don't do this then i will automatically change so the onus is on you and i truly believed it at that point and i thought you know what do i do so i tried doing things not doing things uh, stepping back then stepping more into his life but things didn't change but i couldn't see it i couldn't be objective and see uh, you know that whatever i did was not going to help he was basically blaming me for his uh, gambling okay so i just you, thought sorry, how did you feel about it. that blaming you yeah i i truly believe that i was a, i was the cause at the time okay were you able to speak to anyone about what was going on initially i spoke to my in-laws when he first mentioned about his gambling and a little later when i thought uh, maybe we should just split i spoke to my parents and my siblings but i did not speak about it to any of the friends or relatives that we had here in australia i was more conscious on hiding the fact to okay. save face to protect him but also i guess to protect myself if people come to know about the gambling that they may blame me as well but also it's a very 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 shameful thing back home 
gambling is like uh, considered a very vile and derogatory form of uh, you know character flaw i could not believe that he had a major issue so i didn't want other people to think of that as well so i did not mention it to anybody even when people come home um, we have guests and he's not there i would just put pretend like you know have uh, excuses for him even to my daughter i would just say you know he's gone he has more work or things like that so a lot of things i guess made me just keep the issue to ourselves so what did you end up doing i was pretty much isolated in sydney and i thought maybe let's just split and i thought if it's not working with both of us with a child in between you know suffering it would be better we just split i did not reveal our issue to anybody not even my own parents just to my in-laws so i just told them um that this is the problem and maybe i i'm thinking of splitting but my in-laws are very religious so they said things would change that they would talk to their son he also at that point said he would stop he won't gamble anymore he won't drink anymore he would you know change his ways and i truly believed that mm-hmm. so because i didn't know anybody in sydney but i did know a few people in melbourne i said let's move to melbourne he stopped for a short while after coming to melbourne according to what he told me because i didn't have access to his accounts right and then he started going to a psychologist on and off but after a few months again he started going to crown yeah okay how did how did that make you feel not knowing if he's gambling or not not knowing if he's getting well it must have been hard yeah it was really hard but as i said i i did not have the picture of how worse it can become what are the issues with respect to gambling so i was actually probably taking it a little bit lightly i was focusing more on his drinking because that was becoming worse as his gambling was becoming worse i started seeing a psychologist as well at that point my gp recommended it and only then did i actually kind of got some ideas on what what are the prop possible problems that i could be encountering in the future um and then i started doing some research on what can be done from my perspective so being an affected other yeah yeah like financial restrictions or access and i suggested a few things to him leave your credit cards at home or have minimal cash let's buy a house so all the money goes into it so you don't have access to it but he was not willing to first acknowledge that he had an issue so what did you end up doing with your relationship in the end his gambling worsened his personality changed a person who would say it doesn't matter you know if you lose money we are we can always earn it back a person now really getting um, angry with the drop of a hat and oh. things like that and i was like really getting worried a couple of times i had to call the police because in the middle of the night there would be really bad scenes and i was uh, scared for my life a few times so i had to call the police and they suggested um, intervention orders and things like that which i had no idea about at that point so then the, the relationship obviously ended i did not really want to end the relationship but i thought it will make him realize how important family is so he will change so it was more 
with the hope that the intervention order would make things better yeah okay so i went to the court and applied for an intervention order but unfortunately uh, he was enraged because in my community it's you know going to the police or courts is taboo so you don't do that so then it went on to other relatives and uh, i started getting a lot of criticism to withdraw the uh, intervention order which i did okay uh, because of all the pressure i got he was still gambling at that point right. and um, our relationship just ended practically there yeah okay so take us to um leaving your husband um being alone with your daughter in a foreign country um what was it like and what did you re- like what kind of help was available to you once you know the the separation was kind of final yeah it was strange that there is so much help here but i was so immersed in my problems that i did not have the time the energy to seek out services but once i got separated i really wanted to know more about the issue what had happened to us why uh, why did this you know huge thing called gambling had come up suddenly mm-hmm. when we didn't have any issues in the past i had so many whys i just wanted to answer that so i started researching on my own talking to people was uh, it a very lonely time for you yes i was working um full time at this point so managing my work my daughter had just started school and yeah i didn't know where to turn to that's why i started seeking services and i went into myself more trying to figure out what had gone wrong again i was blaming myself so what did i do wrong what happened what did what, you figure out um i figured out that it was much bigger than just saying stop whether it's me saying stop or he saying stop it's much bigger the complexities the other influences from the industry to how huge it was here in australia those things i slowly started understanding what kind of advice would you give to to somebody whose partner's gambling and maybe they're just starting out to realize that their husband or wife or partner son daughter is having a problem when you are in the midst of all those issues you are looking at surviving every every day you cannot look beyond so at the st- at the stage where it has not come to a crisis point having uh, a knowledge of the help that is out there connecting yourself to people that you can get help from when you come to that crisis making yourself aware of the security measures you can put around you financially and in other ways and uh, having hope whether you are continuing with your partner or in any relationship do what you can do your best to uh, get help you've gone through so much um chandana what's life like for you now i did not think the life i had would be meaningful a few years down the line i was thinking long term because i just had one child no husband no other uh, family and i wanted something meaningful to do so i decided to uh, move on to the community sector i did a 
two year study and i started working in so many other different fields including uh, working with refugees and uh, new migrants working in the family violence sector and then in the gambling sector i find more uh, people that i can relate to and i have made so many friends i've gotten some answers to my questions but i'm still seeking a lot more and i'm really glad i'm able to make a difference and it's giving some meaning to what i do and what kind of a role model i am for my daughter as well well you are making a big difference to the community just from being here so we thank you for coming in today and uh, good luck with the future thank you thank you so much for giving me this opportunity You have been listening to Not A Dollar More. I think what we've learned today from our interviews is how important it is to get as much help and support as you can as early as possible. For more information about how you can get help, visit our website, notadollarmore.org.au. You can also call the Gambler's Helpline on 1-800-858-858 for free and confidential advice. This is both for people who experience problematic gambling and for others who are personally impacted by somebody else's gambling. This podcast has been produced by Banyul Community Health. Thanks to all our guests today for sharing their stories with us. Don't miss our other episodes for more stories of problem gambling and recovery. Bye for now.